Today's gospel reading is from John 21, verses 15 through 25, a story within God's grand story in which each of us belongs. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who's going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that this disciple would not die, but Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testified to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. In every one of them, if every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. This is the word of the Lord. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Good morning, church. It is really good to be with you. As an ordained person in the RCA who grew up in the CRC, I think now is a good time for solidarity with spiritual communities who long to love God, love each other, and love our neighbors, even in ways that may cause some to put us on the other side of a line they've drawn. Flossmore Community Church stands in solidarity with you. And I'm aware of the news from Synod. In this moment, I would like to offer you a short poem I've loved since high school. It's called Outwitted by Edwin Markham. Two lines. He drew a circle that shut me out. Heretic, rebel, a thing to flout. But love and I had the wit to win. We drew a circle and took him in. 
I know, it sounds like a pipe dream with all the division swirling around us. But the poem has always grounded me in the expansive, inclusive love of God shown to us in Jesus. I don't think we get to decide where that ends. It goes on and on in every direction. How could we not expect to be surprised? Not expect to draw the circle wider. Not expect to have our understanding challenged, our hearts stretched, our ways converted. I think we Christians are the ones who are continually in need of conversion more than anyone else. The disciples have been surprised almost every step of the journey, whether by whom Jesus included, how Jesus reinterpreted Torah, or what abundance Jesus shared. Just before our text today, the risen Jesus has surprised the disciples again greeting them with a miraculous catch of fish and breakfast already ready on the shore. For them, for the deserters, the deniers, the beautiful mess of humans they are. We are, yeah? Then Jesus takes a walk with Peter. It doesn't say that, I imagine. He takes a walk with Peter, puts his arm around him, and asks this vulnerable question. Peter, do you love me? Feed my lambs. Peter, do you love me? Tend my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. It's almost like what's heaviest on Jesus' heart in this moment is, what about them? You guys are going to be okay, but what about my sheep? What about the thousands of people who have heard my voice, who are up against systems that tell them that they don't matter or they don't belong? Will you feed them? Will you draw the circle wide enough? Will you protect them? Can you imagine Jesus? having to leave the ones he loves in the care of these raggedy disciples <laughs> or in the care of our churches? We're a mess, Raj. <laughs> Lord, have mercy. How about we just say that? Lord, have mercy. But God bless them, they try. They welcome and gather and tend, and the church becomes more diverse than they could have imagined communities with entrenched differences that some would con consider confessional, decide to open the circle wider because it seemed right to them and to the spirit. Uncomfortable, but right. And the surprises keep happening. The stories keep getting written. And if you skip down to the very last verse, it sounds like the writer is throwing up their hands in the effort to contain it all. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. What about you? What about your story? May you trust that you're one of those unwritten books, a story within God's grand story in which each of us belongs. You can consult other books, but you're not a carbon copy. 
You can seek mentors and guides, but don't think your story is only acceptable if it's filled with approved characters and censored outcomes. As poet Gerard Manley Hopkins wrote, Christ plays in 10,000 places, lovely in limbs and lovely in eyes not his, lovely to the Father through the features of men's faces. If we don't draw the circle wider, we're going to miss so much of the story. Now for the harder part of this passage. Appropriate, probably, for a confirmation service. We like to celebrate someone's commitment to faith, but may this be a reminder of what we're all committing to. Jesus shares with Peter the sobering reality of hardship to come. Jesus describes it as stretching out your arms and being led where you do not want to go. A violent end Jesus knew all too well. Peter was, in fact, murdered in 64, and legend has it that the weapon of choice was crucifixion. While it's hard for us to hear, I don't think it surprised Peter. He knew the risks of following Jesus in the face of religious and political leaders intent on squashing this fresh expression of God's good news. So Peter doesn't even have to ask, what about me? He knows in his gut that he can't control the outcome. He knows in his gut, and he needs that moment of solidarity with Jesus to strengthen him for his future. Perhaps allowing him to receive the threats that will come, the threats that sound like you and yours aren't welcome here, as affirmation that he was, in fact, following Jesus. I imagine that on the downward path of suffering, Peter would find inner freedom by clinging to the echo of Jesus saying, follow me, just follow me. While it's not likely that confirming a young person's faith today will lead for a, to a violent end for them, okay, I'm not... I'm not trying to say that, but let's be honest. As students of both history and present reality, we see hostility. We see what fear does in its attempt to protect itself. It tries to ruin others. We know that standing up for one's humanity can and does, in fact, lead to a violent end for some. And standing up for others can invite real threats to your level of acceptability, your friend network, your job security, your invitation to next year's Thanksgiving. <laughs> so on this confirmation day, I encourage this community of believers to believe it's worth it, to listen again for Jesus, follow me to ask whom you are called to stand alongside, the sheep you're called to feed and tend, how you're called to educate yourselves or vote or join or start endeavors that feed the poor, the neighbor, and the planet. 
Keep asking how you might be called to tell the truth, to accept a lower position for a greater cause, or to take a higher position for a deeper purpose, to love your enemies, or to sacrifice some comfort or security that you've grown to appreciate for someone else's good. And if you experience rejection for it, may it be because you have witnessed Christ play in too many places with too much love, too much generosity, too much inclusion. What about them, Jesus might have asked. Feed them. What about you and your story? What about me? What's going to happen? And finally, what about him, Peter asks. He gets this hard news about him, maybe even with Jesus' arm around him, and he looks back at what the book calls the beloved disciple, never named, always a place for us to maybe find ourselves in the story. What about him? What about him is a question we ask sometimes because we don't want to be alone on what we know might be a hard journey. What about him? What about my friends? What about my people? Will they come with me? Can you at least promise me that I won't be alone? Other times, what about him rises up in us because we are a little afraid that others' path will look like a success when ours looks like a failure. What about her? Why me? Sometimes we understand the journey may be hard for us, and we're okay with that, but we just wish we could make it easier for them. What about them? What about my child, my friend, my loved one? Will they be okay as we raise them in these values and send them out into a sometimes vicious world? Friends, when you get anxious and you're not sure who will stick with you on this next step that you're ready to take, may Jesus turn your attention to a deep spiritual friendship that will never leave you. Follow me. When you get caught up in the comparison game, when your own inner critic or the judgmental voices of others let are in your ear, let Jesus pull your focus back from others, reminding you, what's that to you? What's that to you? He, he literally says that. What's that to you? I think that's good for the voices in our head. Because we can get really angry at the voices in our head. It can turn us into the people that we don't want to be, right? What's that to me? And when you deeply love someone and you look back and feel this overwhelming concern, this longing to know that they will be okay, how many of you have talked with God in the night hours about a student of yours, a child, a friend, a sibling, and you desperately wish you could have answers to what you cannot control, what you cannot ensure for them? Imagine you are Peter, turning to see the one you love 
And now read verse 20 again. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved. As we stand in both honor and trepidation for the journeys of those we love, this must be our greatest comfort. They are the disciple whom Jesus loves. So if there is someone that is heavy on your heart today, can you just picture them and hear Jesus saying, don't worry, I've got them. It's not like we don't have reason to worry. But God knows every hair on their heads, their deepest thoughts and fears, their desires and dreams. They are the image of God, and God will never leave them or forsake them. And though we know not where the path will lead, they and you and we are the disciples whom Jesus loves. Thanks be to God. Amen.